It's October 31st, 2022. And this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Happy Halloween to all the spooky Watsonians out there. Today on our show, Amazon launches new ads capabilities at Unboxed Event. Google launches new shopping experience for search. Instacart pushing off its IPO as valuation continues to drop. UPS Q2 earnings show continued great execution. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first in our shopping cart full of news, Amazon announces new ad capabilities at Unboxed. Last week, Amazon held its popular advertising event here in New York City. Some of the capabilities released are more for technologists and agencies than for brands directly. Jeffrey Cohen, an Amazon tech evangelist, posted on LinkedIn about the updates and highlighted the following. Certifications were added for advertising agencies that use Amazon's Marketing Cloud, which is a cloud-based database to expose all of Amazon's advertising network analytics data. A new beta for Amazon Rewards Credits is now available in sponsored display ad units, which can advertise promotional incentives for click-through. A new video tool which allows advertisers the ability to create new video-based advertisements. Amazon has also rolled out video ads to the Amazon Sponsored Display Advertising Network. Overall, I took a couple of things away from this announcement. First, Amazon's team on this platform is laser-focused on not just the direct needs of brands, but also on the needs of agencies and technology providers used by those agencies. This tells me that Amazon is going after the big advertising dollars by providing lots of attribution and purchase funnel data to further prove the value of their advertising channel. This level of transparency for such a high intent to purchase advertising network should worry its competitors. Second, advertising still represents a tremendous opportunity for margin growth at Amazon, with direct share gains from Google and Facebook, the largest player in the market today. Given this backdrop, I continue to see Amazon advertising along with Amazon Web Services leading the profitability push for overall Amazon. Finally, in the last year, it's become largely impossible for any single brand to fully understand the depth of Amazon advertising offerings, and the scary part is we're still in early innings here. That will push more Amazon ads work into the technology companies and the technology-powered agencies. I also predict that even relatively sophisticated advertising agencies will not be able to keep up either. This will lead to a great fragmentation and specialization among even dedicated Amazon advertising agencies. Our second story, Google launches new shopping experience for search, and it's not great. Well, I'm worried about Google's e-commerce efforts again as its latest shopping tools were finally released to the market. Remember a few weeks back, I talked about Google using the shop keyword to design a landing page focused entirely on e-commerce? Seemed like a good idea. The execution is what I'm worried about. At the time of recording, you can search for a product like shop iced coffee machine. For this term, Google puts pictures of coffee machines all over the page. On the right side or the top, there are ads that take you off the site. They're more integrated with the search results or actually extremely similar small pictures of iced coffee machines that keep you on the site, but put you in kind of a modal product detail page experience, which can be best described as some kind of psychotic version of wire cutter. And herein lies the problem with Google's approach. Retail is a huge part of Google's advertising business, so it can't kill ads altogether. But it also seems like Google can't decide if it wants to get you off the page where it can monetize you 
or keep you on the page to help you make a better decision. Who knows where this will end up, Watsonians, but my magic eight ball says Google will end up shutting down yet another e-commerce experience after yet another confusing A-B test fails. What's needed for real progress at Google? Real willingness for the commerce and ads teams to work together and even sacrifice some of that ad revenue in the face of actual consumer goals. Our third story. Instacart pushing off IPO as valuation continues to drop. In March, the CEO of Instacart, Fiji Simo, mentioned that she wanted to, quote, build a company, not IPO. Well, I guess be careful what you wish for. Bloomberg reported last week that Instacart has already shelved its plans for a 2022 IPO. You almost feel a little bad for Instacart. The company announced an IPO in May, and even then, it didn't seem likely to happen. But the company must have been planning the IPO for quite a while. What's happened since then? Oh, just a few things. One, more and more retailers want control over their customers. And not to mention, Instacart has been acquiring companies rapidly to build service revenues and change its positioning in the market. And many investor valuation metrics have switched completely to EBIT rather than revenue. Three times EBIT seemed common earlier this year. Industry watchers know that Instacart has already reduced its valuation several times in the past year. From a valuation of $39 billion down to $13 billion. Ouch. Let's pretend you're going to use that valuation to predict EBIT at a three times EBIT. Do you think that Instacart has $4.3 billion at EBIT? I can barely even keep a straight face talking about it right now. Let's go back to basics then. Reports I've seen have the revenue at $1.8 billion in 2021 for Instacart. Let's say it's growing 25% year over year, which to me is incredibly generous for the company in this environment. Even by old school metrics of three times revenue valuation, it would be worth something like $7 billion. Did I mention that Instacart just repriced to $13 billion? I don't know about you, but I think it's very obvious that previous valuations were not based on revenue even. They were based on GMV and growth. And as a SaaS company, it could get higher valuation multiples But what percentage of this revenue is SaaS today? Less than 10 to 20% is highly likely. So how much is Instacart really worth? Likely a fraction of that 13 billion and something more in the neighborhood of two or three billion. Of course, people are still buying groceries, but the problem Instacart offers premium groceries. What's really happening is that consumers have significantly slowed down buying groceries inefficiently and are turning to discount grocers and wholesale clubs to make up the difference. The bottom line here is that Instacart pulling its IPO was likely based on a very simple reason. No lead investor was willing to set a price on the initial public offering and potentially look stupid in the process. And our last story. UPS Q3 earnings show continued great execution. Last week, Carol Tomei and the UPS management team reported the company's Q3 2022 earnings and in the process gave us all a roadmap to planning in uncertain environments. One key message, quote, control what you can control. I would definitely advise you to preach this message to your employees and management teams. First, a few highlights from UPS itself, which reaffirmed its guidance to deliver on its full year targets. One, the Q4 peak is expected to be later in December compared to last year. Does anyone even remember last year at this point? Here's a refresher. Quote, there will be no inventory, so better buy in October. So of course this year's peak will be delayed. This also means that the early discounting and deal days you're hearing about will not be dramatically affecting spending patterns. Two, 
The analyst firm IHS estimates that the United States GDP is expected to grow 1.7% this year and globally GDP to grow 2.8%. Both of these numbers are lower than earlier predicted. Three, it's well known to UPS followers that Amazon is still UPS's largest customer, which over time is reducing volume. This has a big impact on UPS, which is leading to year-over-year declines in overall volume. The bad news, good news for UPS in this is that Amazon is likely UPS's least profitable customer. Good riddance. Four, overall future margin improvement will come more from productivity improvements in the business like RFID, facility automation, and driver scheduling improvements rather than price increases going forward. Five, UPS went on to mention that revenue, operating profit, and operating margin are all up year over year, even with declining volume. That's impressive. One new part of the news that I had not previously heard is that Commerce Hub was actually named as the partner for UPS in upstream density improvements. This means UPS is experimenting with order management systems and dropship providers to get more parcels on the same route on the same day. This is smart experimentation, but it's unclear how fruitful it will ultimately be as a percentage of all orders. There was a short but illuminating section from Carol Tomei also about how UPS is planning for 2023. These same principles should be shouted from the rooftops to all leaders. First, stay on strategy. For UPS, that is about improving customer and employee experience. Not making wild fluctuations in approach keeps employees steady. Two, build more agility into your plan than ever before. To me, this means a test and learn approach. Rather than commit to large spending yielding possibly bigger volume discounts from suppliers in the beginning of the year, Build your plan more incrementally, watch the results, and then invest as it grows. Three, build a conservative plan. The consequences of overspending could be catastrophic if you build to the higher end of a plan because now you need to invest in staff and facilities to hit that plan. Instead, project revenue more conservatively and then spend more conservatively at first. Chase the upside, but follow it, don't lead it. UPS continues to provide a positive example to follow in, in these uncertain times, and the leadership of CEO Carol Tomei is no small part of this. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, Altana raised $100 million Series B to fund shared global supply chain visibility. The company works in many industries, including pharmaceuticals, to ensure that global companies have visibility into all upstream supply chain procurement and downstream distribution globally. And that information is secure and accurate. Second, startup Trendsy raised a Series A to help sellers dropship more efficiently. Are we still funding prepackaged Shopify dropship networks in 2022? About five years ago, you cannot make any more money on Amazon reselling someone else's product. You need to be a manufacturer to achieve any kind of gross margins. I believe that day has arrived in online retail as well. Unfortunately, I'm not sure this ends well for the investors. I'm sure there is an audience for this somewhere, but not sure why you need to raise VC money to chase it. Third, retail technology company Vive raises money to turn regular shopping carts into smart ones. Instead of trying to get supermarkets to buy all new carts, the startup is focused on upfitting existing carts. While the cart technology itself is interesting, The retail media angle of this is where I think all the money will likely come from. Fourth, retailer Tractor Supply bought smaller rival Orshine as a roll-up was cleared by the FTC. Tractor Supply is paying $320 million for the retailer, which has more than 150 stores in the Midwest and the South. And finally, social commerce startup Elenas 
secured $20 million to help Latin American women sell online. Alenas estimates that 11 million women in Latin America still sell products through catalogs or door-to-door sales methods. Digitizing these sales by turning them into modern social media influencers is, is the idea. The company is focusing on an underbanked population, so it's looking to get into financial services as well. I love the focus on an underserved population in an emerging market here. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Alex Brower, production manager, Gabriella Montekin. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.